Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Car sent you. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Is he dead? Yeah. Dead drunk. Oh, Papa. What do you think, Hoss? You'd like to go down to Nashville with your old Uncle Red? Oh, Papa, please let me go with him. I just want a chance to be somebody. A real whorehouse? Dear Mom, I've been meaning to write, but Uncle Red and I have been real busy. Don't worry, we've been staying out of trouble. I'm keeping Uncle Red from drinking, and we've been staying out of honky-tonks. We're working real hard. Uncle Red sure does crazy things sometimes. Keep him busy, boy. We're making a lot of new friends. I have conceived. Thanks, Ma, for letting me go with Uncle Red. Ah! We're learning a lot about each other. Uncle Red's teaching me to be somebody. Do, 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 do. Throw your arms around this honky-tonk man. Throw your arms around this honky-tonk man. What the hell did I have to offer a kid? Just honky-tonks and flop houses. That's the life of a country singer. Boss, sound good to you? Don't sound too hot when you put it like that, but it sure beats picking cotton and living in the sharecropper shack. <laughs> Maybe you're right, boy. Maybe you're right. Throw your arms around this honky-tonk man. The boy on his way to becoming a man. The man on his way to becoming a legend. Clint Eastwood in Honky Tonk Man. And introducing Kyle Eastwood as wit. And now for all you music lovers, it's time for your traffic report. There's a six... What is it, Scooby? Can't you see I'm broadcasting here? Pile up on the tri-level, got you backed up all the way to the off-ramp. So, if you're traveling this morning, try to give yourself an extra day or two, folks. (laughs) Hang on, folks. I've just been handed this important bulletin. 
ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our regularly scheduled program to bring you this special report. Like live, as it happens. Hey, this is Ted Nugent celebrating the American dream on nostalgic radio and cars. Welcome, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us at NostalgicRadioandCars.com. Right, did I just say that, Bobby? Good evening, Bobby. Yes, hey, how are you? Uh, so you're driving, uh, you're in the driver's seat tonight. Driving a radio station, and uh, Tommy's out here round, uh, hollering and hooting out here. Oh, so we have our in, in-house yeah. uh, audience here. Yes, we have an in-studio uh, uh, fan club. Fan audience. Club. audience. One uh, audience. Okay, yeah. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, it is part two of, or the second week of Rocktober, and we've got a very special guest for you coming on this evening. And, oh yes, I'm looking forward to this interview. This is, uh, we're going to get into some serious rock and roll music and musical instruments. At any rate, uh, big shout out to my good friends down there at Forte's. Classic Garage. Uh, if you need your classic car worked on or your boat, give them a call down there. 727-544-6440. See Chris, Tony, or Dom. In fact, we were down there today because there's a really cool, wicked uh, 1969 Pro Touring. I guess that would be the right word for it. Pro Touring Camaro that they're doing down there. So a very, very expensive build. I will have pictures of that on my uh Website here soon, but uh, interesting car. But they had some other cool stuff in there. I mean, Dom's got a 67 Shelby in there. And uh, there was a really trick uh, Resto Mod 63.5 Galaxy, which has kind of always been one of my favorite early big cars. You know, you talk about muscle cars. Muscle cars really, by definition, would be, oh, your 427, 406 Galaxies, your 409 Chevrolets, your 421 Pontiacs. You know, your nailhead Buicks, four and a quarter Buicks. Um, those are really muscular. Full-size cars, big motors, four speeds, you know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and of course, the FX cars with the experimental AFX, whatever. Um, they were the lightweight cars with uh, old plastic or aluminum fenders and bumpers and lightweight van seats and things of that nature. But anyway, pretty cool stuff. And uh, they, they're doing some pretty cool builds down there. And, of course, they had a couple of Broncos down there. A, uh, I think it's a 70. I think that would be the fourth year because they built the small Broncos from 66 to 60, 77. 78, 79, they came out with the first of the series of uh, big Broncos, which uh, they had a nice one down there. But anyway, um, pretty cool stuff. And uh, while we're on the subject of that, we're going to be uh, probably having uh, somebody on from Ford Motor Company here next month because we're going to do a special feature on the new Mustang E. Is that what it's called, Bobby? Mach E. Mach. Mach E or Mach E? Mach E. Bobby Bobby Mach E. <laughs> Bobby Mach E. Okay. Well, anyway, the Mach E. And uh, but also the gentleman that was responsible for designing the Mach E was also responsible for the SSC which is the car that just broke the world's fastest streetcar record production car. 1,750 horsepower, 331 miles an hour top speed, but a consistent two-pass 316, which, you know what, that trumps the uh, Koenigsegg 
and the Bugatti Veyron by, well, realistically, if you took top speed to top speed, almost 45, 50 miles an hour. That's fast, really, really fast. But the car was totally aerodynamic, totally state-of-the-art. It's got a special-built uh, proprietary engine. Interesting piece, and we're going to be getting into that, too. So anyway, while I'm on the subject of that, uh, car shows, check out flacarshows.com. I think Bobby's going to fire up the uh, yep. the, the doodad that's, that's here. That's the place to go. You know where to get your barbecue at the Rib Shack. Yeah. You know, Uber Eats, you can, you can Uber Eats it to your house while you're watching a virtual car show, and or you can go out and get it and cruise, cruise to the Rib Shack. There you go. Anyway, on that note, Bobby's going to fire up the stereo. We're going to play a little blues. First, we're going to put a spot in the cart. Spot in the cart? Yes. Okay, we're commercial gonna spot. In the hey, don't touch that dollar. We'll be right back with our very special rock and roll guest for the evening. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727 541 1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727 541 1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Tommy. Keep that beat the best. Is this not the 
director Ken Russell and producer Robert Stakeman have made a film of Tommy and assembled some of the greatest names in music and the cinema. Tommy by The Who and based on the rock opera by Peter Townsend. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. And this legendary rock star has uh, got songs to his credit like Crash and Burn, Snort and Whiskey, and Boom Boom Out Goes the Lights. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Pat Travers. Pat, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Uh, it's great to chat with you tonight. So now I understand that you're uh, in the same state, somewhere in, uh, oh. in Florida. Yes, sir. I'm uh, here in Central Florida, just outside of Orlando, and uh, a little town called Sanford. Okay. Where are you at? Well, we're in Clearwater, Florida. We're over on the West Coast, just oh. west of Tampa Bay, so the, we're within driving distance. Heck, we could have just had yeah, you come I... right over here and sit in the studio with us. Yes, maybe. <laughs> I, I would have preferred you drove the two hours over to me. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, let's go back to the beginning. Uh, I was doing a little research uh-huh. on you, and uh, I understand you started playing guitar kind of at an early age. And one of the first guitars you got um, that you signed your life away for was a Les Paul Gibson. That's true. And, and strangely enough, I've been thinking about that recently for a couple of reasons but um yeah i got my my very first electric guitar was a 1968 gold top les paul and uh, my mom co-signed on a loan for me i was 14 when i got that guitar and uh unfortunately it got uh, stolen uh, not quite two years later i was really upset about that now you started playing uh, local. Ba- I guess you I, you started in school a little bit doing some stuff, and then you started playing local bands like you're around 15, 16 years old up there in uh, in the Great White North because that's uh, apparently where you're from, right? Yeah, uh, I uh, I was born in Toronto, but I grew up as a teenager in Ottawa, and that's where I you know started playing music. As I say, I was pretty young when I started, like fourteen, and. Uh, you know, I had a band, and, and we played, started playing all these kind of bars and stuff, six nights a week, four sets a night, um, an a, uh, afternoon matinee on Saturday or Sunday. And I did that for about five years until, well, actually, right after my 21st birthday, I moved to London, England, and... Uh, was lucky enough to to get a record deal pretty much within a few months of arriving there so you know that that uh, that was an interesting experience tell us about your uh, your rock and roll style and how the uh, record contracts came about i mean what what set you apart and how was how were you able to facilitate that huh um, I don't know. I mean, the weird thing is, I arrived in London, England, in you know, middle of 1975, and the sort of heavy, the uh, glory days of the bands like Deep Purple and Zeppelin and all of that were, you know, peaking, and 
and then this whole sort of punk thing happened in London. But uh, you know, I was just doing what I do, which is pretty energetic, uh, bluesy, funky guitar playing. And I, even in that environment, I was lucky enough to get interest and and get a record deal and. Uh, you know, we toured in Europe and the UK and got a bunch of fans, but we were way more popular in the United States. So in 1978, I left England and, and moved to, basically moved to Florida in 78, and I've been living here ever since. Did you, uh, now after the record deal, does that like uh, open a ton of doors for you where you're like, opening for uh, big acts or big acts or smaller acts are opening for you at concerts and stuff? How does that work? Yeah, of course, yes. As a matter of fact, um, in the U.K., I was very fortunate that uh, we did it. Now everything is on a much smaller scale there. But I was able, on my first album, we opened for a band from Glasgow, Scotland, called the Sensational Alex Harvey Band, one of the best bands ever. And nobody ever heard of them over here, but at the time, they were really, really popular, and uh, we opened for them for, uh, like, 20 shows or something in the UK. And then... Uh, so that helped to establish me there. But uh, when we came to the U.S. in 78, uh, we opened for Rush. On uh, th- This was before they had, like, huge... Uh, you know, they, were st- they, were, they had gold albums, but they didn't get any airplay, and the press hated them, but they sh- sold out all the sheds in the Midwest and across the U.S., so... Uh, we went on tour with them, and you know we were lucky enough to play to, you know, between five and eighteen thousand people every night. Wow! So, yeah, that that, that was, uh, and that was directly due to having a major record deal. There's there's no way that you know you could get that kind of an opportunity without something like that. Well, now, Rush is a Canadian band as well. Did uh, did that kind of work for you a little bit, too? I don't think so. I think it was just a coincidence. Uh-huh. I um, I don't think it had anything to do with anything, really. And uh, so, but the, yeah, that was interesting. Uh, I actually saw Rush in 1974 in Toronto in the afternoon one day i i uh, i went i went to a musical i had a date with a gal and we went to see this musical in down on young street in downtown toronto and it was in the afternoon and after uh, the performance we went to a bar and we got in the bar and there was myself the date my date and like the doorman the waiter and the bartender there were five of us in this bar and then the band came on and it was rush and they played an entire 40 minute set and uh, we were the only two people in the club isn't that amazing wow okay yeah (laughs) i i mean i really that was the weirdest thing and 
And, you know, I got to know them later, obviously, because we toured. Mm -hmm. But I never told them that story, I because I remember doing that, where you had to play an afternoon matinee, and there was nobody in the place, you know, or if they were, there was just like a couple of people. And uh, so that that was the blues for sure, you know. But, uh, yeah, that was interesting. They were doing all the uh, songs from their Fly By Night album. Oh yeah, I remember that. Some of those I'm trying to think it escapes me right now. But when you when you were younger, who were some of your early influences um, on you? I mean, you're, you're kind of bluesy. You got a little uh, kind of like a Rick Derringer, Eric, Edgar oh. Winter type flair to yourself. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and you're just wicked on the guitar, but you you got a really good style. It's not like you're you know you're not a shredder. You're just a really talented yeah. guitarist. And so, but there's a but you can see the blues influence there. It's interesting you say Rick Derringer and Edgar Winter, but Johnny Winter even more than. Uh, but both those guys are friends of mine, and I've worked with them a lot, and they were huge influences on me. But Johnny Winter was a gigantic influence, and uh, once and I was fortunate enough to uh, get to know him a little bit, and and be able to play with him and so yeah I mean I, I, I it's funny you mention that and I think about it and go wow how cool was that I mean I when I was 15 or 16 though and the same thing because uh, Ronnie Montrose played guitar with Edgar Winter for a little while yeah. and, and I went to see Edgar Winter when I was about 17 or 18 and uh Ronnie Montrose was playing guitar for him, and I was just super impressed. And um, and then I got to know Ronnie too, and we were great friends. So, when you were uh, younger, or like let's go let's go to England a little bit before you got your record deal, were you ever uh, like did you ever because a lot of musicians used to do this? Last week we had uh, Lee Dixon on our show, and Lee Dixon's the uh, for thirty years he was the guitar tech for Eric Clapton. And uh, and oh. he just dropped off some serious names, and so one of the things that comes up in mind is a lot of musicians, you know, they 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 play background or like they're session musicians, and I don't want to use the word session musicians necessarily because it has a good connotation and a bad connotation, but basically like, hey, sit in with the band and and uh, and let's do some songs. Were you ever uh, uh, involved in any of those? Did you ever sit in with some other bands and and play some uh, blues backgrounds or anything like that? Oh sure, I. I... I do that all the time. Um, I, I've, I've been doing stuff like that for years. Uh, just recently, uh, William Shatner released Blues album. Okay. And and I played on a track on that. He had Richie Blackmore, um, Skunk Baxter. Oh wow! Bunch of bunch of heavy hitters. And uh, I played on a tune uh, he covered. Uh, screaming Jay Hawkins, I put a spell on you. Uh huh. And the cool, really cool. I mean, it came out amazing. But even cooler than that is they uh, did a, just uh, last week released an animated video, promotional video for that track. Uh huh. 
And so I'm animated in a video. It's the funniest thing. Yeah, you got to go on YouTube. William Shatner featuring Pat Travers. Yeah, it's like this. I, I, I saw it. He's sitting in a bar, and he's you know he's yeah. uh, talking about the bartender, and you're in the background there. You're on the stage playing, so it's actually pretty cool. I saw that. That's neat. It, I thought it turned out great. The uh, the the guy that animated it, he's Hungarian and just a super cool guy. I've been talking to him a little bit and hopefully uh, we'll be able to use him first because uh, I'm working on a new album for Cleopatra right now too which will come out next year so I would love to have some animation it's just so funny now that brings up a question um, now you've done a lot of your originals uh, songs back in the day but what are your thoughts on, and you do some excellent job. I mean, you do Just Got Paid by ZZ Top, Green-Eyed Lady, Sugar Loaf, uh, for, for another real good band that I like back in the day. Um, how Many More Times, Led Zeppelin. Uh, um, actually, a Robin Travel yeah. one, uh, a Bridge, Over, Bridge of Size. And so what are your thoughts? And your covers, okay, are very, very good because you're instrumental. Your guitar playing is outstanding. You're every bit as good as Trower, Page, any of those guys. And it's like, you know, you read up on, on you a little bit, and people just say, hey, look, you know, this guy's really underrated, and you are. And that brought up a question last week when I was talking to, to uh, Lee. You know, we are talking about rating guitarists. You know, we were talking about Richie Blackmore. We were talking about Jimi Hendrix. We were talking about Clapton. We were talking about Page and Beck and everybody. And it's like, you know, you're up there with those guys, when I watch you, and I'm I'm a guitarist, but I'm not a very good. I mean, I just play your basic, uh, you know, below the fifth fret, uh, some rhythm, a couple <laughs> riffs. That's and... a good, a good, good place to stay. <laughs> <laughs> it's comfortable for me. I'm an older guy now. My fingers don't want to move. But believe it or not, I actually started playing when I was ten years old. But I didn't stick with it. Yeah. You guys were committed, and that's why I think you know I have a lot of uh, admiration for you guys. But but your covers, so you do a very very good job. But you also put your own little flavor to it. Share your thoughts on that and, and how that come about and, and 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 how you feel about you know doing covers and, and then and putting your spin on it. It's true. Um, I think originally when I was really young, just getting started, I was influenced by Vanilla Fudge quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, very good band. And because you know, they but they would uh do these elaborate re uh, uh, interpretations of songs, and that uh, that really appealed to me. So, you know, I I started getting into that pretty early, and then some of the songs you mentioned there, they were for specific albums that I did, you know, and uh, you know, writing songs to record is a whole other thing. You know, and uh, I mean, there's playing and recording. That's one thing. But writing material and developing that is another. So I did a lot of albums for a while in the 90s where, you know, I just covered songs because I wasn't going to get paid enough to write them. You know what I mean? And and. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I, I, exactly everything you said. I sometimes I'll decide that I really like the way the original version is, and I won't deviate too much. And other times I'm just, you know, I'll go, yeah, I want to do something completely different. So, 
But uh, as far as that, I think, you know, we may just re- last Saturday, we did our first live stream, uh, Facebook live stream concert event, uh-huh. which is, is available for replay on the Pat Travers Band Facebook page. And uh, But you have to scroll to the one hour, 51 minute mark. It's a standby. I don't know why that happened, but. It, we did uh, Green Eyed Lady in that show, and it came out great. So uh, I've never actually played that live before, so that was fun. What is one of the most requested songs you get? Like I said, if you're playing out someplace, um, what's one of the most requested songs that you've done in the past? That Green, people... Green Eyed Lady. Is it really? <laughs> I'm kidding. It's one of them, but no, I mean, obviously. <laughs> Uh, obviously, we have to do Boom Boom, I'll Go the Light. Oh, yeah. We have to do uh, Snorting Whiskey and Drinking Cocaine. You know, but, uh, yeah, we get, we get a lot of requests for everything. And uh, in this show we just did on last Saturday, uh, which I tell you, you got to check it out. Just go to the Pat Travers Band Facebook page and there's a replay on there. We did it from our own uh, studio in uh, Melbourne, Florida, and uh, it's a totally independent production, and, and we did a great job. So I'm proud of that, and people will like it. Also, we did a Van Halen tribute thing, too. So Oh, really? Because, yeah, Eddie was... Uh, kind of a mate of mine going back to about 1978. What were, what are your thoughts on his... Well, before I go further, I have to tell you this. Well, my wife and I started dating back in the late 70s, and I was a rock and roll kind of guy, and she was bubblegum slash, you know, got caught up in that disco mess. But anyway, so yeah. one, we're on the road one day, and, and one of your songs came on. It was Boom Boom Out Go The Lights, right? So she thought, oh, that's pretty cool. But then when your song came out, Crash and Burn, she really liked that song, and that's when she made the transition yeah. into rock and roll. So that song is one of my favorites that you did, and that's just a cool song. It's got a cool rhythm to it. It's got a great beat to it, and and so on. But anyway, back to yeah, Eddie. Yeah, we can. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, go ahead. You no, no. I was going to say. No, no, I said, no, I want to hear the Eddie Van Halen part. Yeah, tell us tell us about Eddie Van Halen a little bit, because I, I, we actually tried to get him on the show, but I did, I was unaware of how, how ill he was at the time, but we, tried, we reached out to him. But your thoughts on yeah. his guitar playing, I mean, he had a completely different style, and this is kind of like part of that conversation we had last week with Lee. And, you know, it's you can't say that one guitarist is better than another necessarily. I mean, you could say you're definitely better than I am, no question there. But I'm just saying, when you get up there in your league where you are with, with uh, you know, Clapton and Richie and, and Paige and those guys and Beck and everybody and some other, and May and a bunch of guitars like that, you're all in a, on that level and you all have a style. But Eddie, when he came out with his let's just call it uh, thrashing that he came out, which kind of set the tone for the 80s, you know, hair bands. Um, that was completely different. I mean, people didn't really, you know, run the scales like that, you know, run the run the fretboard like that. And, and so what's your thoughts on that? Well, I think uh, that Eddie was a lot... He actually only used the tapping and the whammy bar dive bombs and the pick squeals and stuff. They were just effects. Uh-huh. But if you listen to everything else he played, it wasn't that fast. 
you know, his, his rhythms were really chunky and slow, and he would hang on a note and just play a, a real long legato kind of melody. Um, we did, uh, the other night as a tribute, we did Ain't Talking About Love, and the guitar solo in that just goes do-do-do, do-do-do. I mean, that's it. That's the guitar solo. So it's not like, you know, he, people kind of, what, what happened was all the guitar players just heard the tapping and the whammy bar dive bombs and the pig squeals and they missed the great rhythm playing and the melodic, slow, uh, legato kind of, uh, guitar parts he did and uh, so I think it kind of f***ed up guitar players for a long time to tell you the truth and uh, so I think it kind of fucked up guitar players for a long time to tell you the truth oh sorry messed up <laughs> that's okay we yeah. have a we have a delay button here <laughs> but anyway okay. sorry about that no no uh, that's cool no worries yeah no i mean i think i i'm serious i think people picked up on the wrong things and emphasized and forgot that yeah he did those things but they were effects mm-hmm. and they didn't dominate the song it wasn't like it was in there through the whole song there was maybe 15, 20 seconds in the middle of the song where he did those things. And they were effects, and they were effective. But people tended to focus on them too much, and then it just got ridiculous, and everybody was playing way too fast and way too many notes and missing the point, in my opinion. Let me ask you this. Let's talk about uh, guitars. Now, I know you've, uh, I was, in one of your interviews, I was listening, and you had uh, your, your very first Les Paul, which was unfortunately got stolen. Then you got yourself an SG, and then which is one of my favorites. And then you got a uh, Melody Maker, and then you went back to an S, uh, an, uh, a Les Paul. And then there's a story where your Melody Maker was stolen, and then, what, years later, yeah. it, it came back I to you? I got it back. Yeah, it was stolen in uh, in New Orleans uh, to Patinas uh-huh. right before the show and uh, someone uh, the dressing room was on the second floor and it was left undet- unattended and a guy scaled the wall somehow and got in through an open window and used an extension cord to lower three guitars down anyway but yeah, five years later, I get a call from a detective in New Orleans, and he says, hey, I think I got your guitar. And uh, he did, and we got all three back, and they were all rusty <laughs> from just being stashed in New Orleans. And, you know, the guy, it was just a, he was just trying to get into the show for free. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, so he he just grabbed them. It was a jerk, and took them home and left them there. And but uh, yeah, when I got that melody maker back, I just couldn't play it anymore because I'd been playing a Les Paul for a few years after that. 
Now, do you uh, – some guitar guys leave their guitars alone. They don't mess with pickups and pots and knots and bridges and, you know, switches and fretboards and all that kind of cool stuff and frets. And Do you leave your guitars pretty much stock, or do you tweak them a little bit? No, I generally – you know, well, I'm kind of in between guitars now, or I can't really make up my mind. I, I got a – Strat, a custom shop Strat that John Cruz made for me at the end of last year. And it's an incredible guitar, but I've, you know, always played Gibsons or PRSs, which are basically the same thing. And uh, so I've been playing this Strat now for about nine months, ten months. And uh, it's it sounds great, but it's I'm fighting it all the time. So the other day I decided I better have my PRS, my custom single cut twenty two, uh, as a backup for the live stream Facebook show on Saturday. And I was, you know, making sure it, the strings were good and all that. And I went, oh, man, this thing feels great. So I went back and played that guitar, having not played it in, you know, like 10 months. So I'm not sure what I'm going to do here at the moment. But, yeah, I, I generally, although on the PRS, I did swap the pickups out on that guitar um Paul Reed Smith made these, uh, they're called 5708. They're special pickups that, they're copies of 1957 PAF. So they're wonderful pickups. So to you, sound and tone is extremely important, and, and that's why you It's all in your hands. It's all in your hands? Really. Okay. Most of it, yeah. Most of it's in your hands. And, you know, there's tweaks here and there, and a lot of people, it takes a long time to figure out. But generally, don't screw around too much, you know. Spend more money on your guitar cord than on some stomp box, you know, because just uh, your guitar and a great guitar, a $100 guitar cable and an amp and your hands, that's really all you need. Hendrix didn't, if you listen to his first few albums, there's very, most of the guitar is totally clean. There's not even that many effects on things. On the first album, he uses fuzz here and there. That's it. Second album, he uses wah-wah. And... Um, some Leslie, but you know, not so much fuzz on that one. If if you really listen to Hendrix, he's mostly getting a very clean Stratocaster sound. You know, there's this weird thing that happens when music hits your ears. It does, like ACDC, you hear um, Highway to Hell. And you hear that guitar intro, mm -hmm. and you go, oh, yeah, but now listen to it with purely technical ears. That guitar is about two inches tall. It's so thin, it it really is, is nothing. But the riff itself is huge. So it gets amplified in your head somehow. It's an interesting phenomenon. 
As far as effects, uh, it seems like, and, I, and I kind of, it's hard to tell because I can't see on stage, but you definitely use a wah sometimes. And is that yeah. about the only pedal oh, you use? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Not very much. Not as much. I try not to use it. <laughs> I try to use it as an effect. Okay. You know, things, things like that, like, you know, whammy bar, pick squeals, wah-wah pedals. Any of that stuff, they should be used sparingly. They're effects. They're not. They lose their value if you if you overuse them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What type of amps do you um, use? Uh, the one I'm, unless I well, when I'm at when I'm able to, uh, I use. I have a Black Star um, uh, Artisan. Uh, it's actually a hundred and twenty watt amp. And uh, 412 cabin, I've had it for about 20 years, and it's amazing. If you go to the Facebook live stream concert, you'll see it. That's the one I'm using. Your thoughts on tube versus but live? I gen live. I generally use a uh, a Marshall 100 watt amp. Okay. Your thoughts on uh, uh, solid state versus tubes? Uh, yeah, I gotta have. Tubes for a guitar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Your um, some of the things I was going to ask you too is like, for example, I understand that you're, and we'll change the subject here just for a second, but uh, you're kind of in the cars. There was a video I was, I was watching. Oh, I and, love cars. And yeah. there was a thing where it says, "Okay, we're off to Sonoma. We're going go karting." So I figured, well, if you're yeah. in the go karts, you're probably in the cars. So you want want to talk cars a little bit? Oh, sure. I love cars. Okay. Yeah, that was awesome. My uh, buddy out there in California, in um, Bay Area, he, uh, up until last year, was an IMSA racer. He was a prototype, too. Oh, really? You know, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. 200-plus miles an hour. Yeah. And he, unfortunately, wrecked just over a year ago, and that kind of canceled it for him but he won uh mike gouache is his name okay. super guy and he's won uh, all over the world uh rolex daytona rolex 24 hours won that a couple of times super driver and uh of course all drivers do carts because that's how you practice okay you know and uh so now he's dedicating all of his time to karting, but uh, yeah, he's he's got a uh, cart that's with got a gearbox, got a two speed two speed gearbox on it, man. I can think the sorry, almost <laughs> but and he let me drive his other car, and that thing was capable of like seventy eighty miles an hour. You know, I was coming down the, the front straight there at about 68, 70 miles an hour. That's which, a, when your butt's two inches off the ground, man, that's pretty dang fast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those things haul ass. But, yeah, all, uh, all the drivers, whether they're uh, NASCAR or Grand Prix or any kind of driving, they all drive carts because it, it's a race car, it, you know. And all of the same 
principles of driving apply. So you can, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I love. Uh, yeah, do, I've always loved cars. Do cars you have any? Great. Well, if you're in Florida and your friends, no, in I don't have any. Don't I have? don't have any. Oh, uh, I have a '93 uh, um, uh, Riviera. That's an awesome car. Okay. Yeah, Buick Riviera. It's the last year they made them, where they really made a good car, and I haven't driven it about a month, so I gotta. It's rained every damn day here for the last four months. So. <laughs> it has. Yeah. Well, since you're in Florida and your friend's an IMSA driver, do you ever go to the 24-hour race or Sebring, 12-hour? Uh, uh, yeah, we. I uh, went to Sebring, my wife and I, and uh, he raced there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was great. Yeah, yeah, we went to. It was. Uh, they had a. Well, they had several days of racing. And he was in a four-hour race, so we on a Saturday, so we saw that amazing with all those different uh, classes of car because they'll have Porsches and Corvettes and Ferraris and Aston Martins and then the prototypes and you know everybody's going different speeds and can break at different times and so it's uh, pretty crazy. Well, since we're on the subject of cars, and we were talking about guitars, uh, one question I was going to ask you real quick, I forgot to, is like, uh, what, what what type of sp- strings do you play with? Do you play heavies or you play light strings? Pretty heavy. Pretty heavy? 11 through, 11 through 52. Oh, wow. And I have my own signature strings now. They're called Dog On It Strings. And the Pat Travers. Uh, oh, really? You can get mine. Yeah. Are there any other? Oh, yeah, they're uh, a little heavy. A little heavy. Okay. Are there any other uh, products, anything like that? Any, anything, anything else guitar rated that you're uh, that you're involved with? Mm, Just the not strings. Not right now. Not right no, now. No, I'm not endorsing anything. So, uh, other than the guitar strings, hmm. yeah, and myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now, are you going to yeah. be doing any kind? Con- well, the other question I was going to ask you is while we were talking about the cars, guitars. If you hadn't become a guitarist. What was your other option? What 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 other path of passion intrigued you enough to say, well, if I'm not going to be a musician, I'm going to do this? What would that have been? What direction would you be gone? It probably would have been something science related. Oh, really? mm-hmm. Yeah, physics, something in that area. When you, yeah, I've always been, you know. Uh, the universal mind and cosmic consciousness and and everything that makes up matter has always been kind of interesting. Well, the cosmic consciousness and the universal mind, that's something recent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, but just, uh, yeah, I, I'm a science guy. Science guy. Okay, we'll call you Pat the Science Guy. Pat, the... Yeah. Uh, the uh, in your spare time, everybody has hobbies. What are some of your other hobbies besides music? I uh, I do uh, Okinawan martial arts. Oh, uh, really? Uh, Ishin, yeah, Ishinru is my style. I've been trying, as a matter of fact, tomorrow morning, I go see my sensei at 10 a.m. when we're going to review all my kata. And, uh, yeah, I've been doing that for 
coming up on 17 years. Oh, interesting. interesting. So, yeah, I was so lucky. I uh, just, it was a fluke. I met my uh, instructor, my sensei, and uh, he's just, he's an eighth degree black belt and, you know, traditional Okinawan karate. So, okay. Yeah, it's a cool thing and it's great. It, you know, it keeps you in really good shape and, of course, there's discipline and, men- and, uh, and mentally too. For singing and playing, I you know it helps me in everything. But uh, you know, in in our day, and I'm only a few years younger than you. Um, you know, when we grew up, obviously, I was I remember watching Ed Sullivan and the Beatles, and yeah. uh, so that and Elvis Presley, obviously. So I was influenced by that too. In fact, in 1966, when I got my guitar, which I still have, by the way, which is a wow, I, I went into buy <laughs> I went into buy a Fender Mustang because everybody had you know Mustang oh, was a big cool yeah yeah an and, awesome little guitar. But the guy talked me out of it and said, "Here, you need this guitar. It's cheaper and it looks like a an expensive Gibson 335. And what it was it was a Lyle. It was the 335 knockoff. I still have the guitar today, but." Unfortunately, what happened, this is what screwed me up, is the neck on that thing was an inch and seven-eighths. It was huge. Okay, for a little kid, 10 years old, that was just an awkward, cumbersome guitar. It was cool. It sunburst and everything like yeah. that. It's neat. Later, I ultimately got the, the the Mustang years and years and years later. But when I was struggling, a friend of mine goes, hey, you need to try a four-string. So I bought a bass guitar. And, oh, cool. Yeah. And it was a beautiful. Well, that's a whole different instrument, you know. Oh, yeah. And a whole different aspect of <clears throat> of rhythm and how the music, is, how the architecture uh, goes together, you know, of, of a song. But so, you would... And, you would yeah, highly. I could never play bass. I, I'm not a good bass player. But you would encourage kids today to pick up a musical instrument, would you? Oh, absolutely. But yeah, because um, it's good for mindfulness. You know, when you get into practicing, you, it's almost meditational. You know, you can get into a trance, especially if you use a metronome or when I was that age, you know, 12, 13, I had a clock in my bedroom and it ticked and I used that as a metronome. And I remember, uh, you know, not really wanting to practice, but knowing I, if I wanted to get any good at this, I had to do it. And after about five or ten minutes, you sort of get into this meditative state, you know. So, um, yeah. Uh, but you got to be passionate about it. You can't... All the work is done by the individual, you know. You can have the greatest instructor or teacher or whatever, but if, you know, you don't do the work, then you're not going to get anywhere. Pat, we are. So, um, but yeah, it's just great for your mind, and uh, and uh, I would recommend it to everybody at any age. You can start playing an instrument anytime. Pat, we are up against the clock. I want to thank you very much for coming out. If people want to find out more about you, real quick, how do they do it? 
I guess just go to our Pat Travers Band Facebook page, and you really got to check out this uh, uh, live stream concert we did last Saturday. It's on replay. Go to the one hour fifty one minute mark, and uh, it starts right up. But uh, and also check out that William Shatner uh, uh, animated video. That I think that's hilarious. <laughs> it's Good pretty stuff. cool. All right, Pat, I'd love to have yeah. you back sometime, so can we get you back on the show sometime in the future? You you bet. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming right. on the show this evening. You take care. Good luck with your uh, future ventures, and uh, look forward to meeting you someday. Okay. Cheers, my friend. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Hey, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Winning Cars and my special guest, Pat Travers, legendary guitarist. Boom, boom, out go the lights. Now, on that note, I want to see some of you guys out in your car shows, at the car shows, driving your cars. Don't forget to tune in here every week, Tuesday night, 7 8 p.m. Tell your friends, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN Clearwater FM 106.1 WDCF Day